Hello, and welcome to the Sullivan County Democrat Podcast Weekly News Roundup. I'm co-editor Joseph Abraham, and here are this week's top stories. Aside from the global pandemic, the biggest news story continues to be the Care Center at Sunset Lake here in Sullivan County. The Sullivan County Legislature has been in the process of finding a company to lease the county-owned care center at Sunset Lake and recently heard presentations from the three finalists. Last week, the public was invited to watch the presentations and a group of people showed up to protest the Grand Healthcare System, one of the companies in the running. The Grand owns 17 nursing facilities in New York State and has come under fire from the daughter whose mother was a resident at their nursing home in Rome, New York, who said her mother received inadequate care. During their presentation, a representative from the Grand said the New York State Department of Health investigated the claims and found it unsubstantiated. Some members of the public have been outspoken against the Grand at recent meetings of the legislature. The Grand was founded in 2014 after regrouping some nursing homes that the owners operated, and they now have over 2,500 beds with over 3,000 staff. A representative from the Grand said, quote, any building that we go into on day one, we meet with all community leaders, community representatives, and family members to hear what they want, what they need, and what their issues are. How the companies will treat their employees became a common question from legislators to the representatives. VestraCare, which operates 18 nursing facilities in New York State and Michigan, recently took over the Roscoe Nursing and Rehab Center. Roscoe Administrator Joy Woods said before VestraCare came in, the facility was floundering, and they thought they would have to close their doors. Wood said, quote, when VestraCare took over, our staff was very anxious. Edward Farbenbloom met with them, and he assured them that there would not be many changes, and I feel like he kept that promise. Third group legislators interviewed was Infinite Care Management, who operates 18 nursing facilities in New York State and Florida, and is headquartered in Brooklyn. One of their representatives told legislators, quote, our goal is to maintain the facility's feel. We know what it means for a facility being in a specific area. So what we try to do is keep the facility the way it is and help it be the best they can. Yesterday, a week after those presentations were heard during the executive committee meeting, Chairman Rob Doherty introduced a handout resolution that outlined the process of picking an operator for the care center at Sunset Lake. The resolution introduced by Doherty would have legislators rank their choices from one through three. The first choice would be five points, the second choice three points, and the third choice one point. The company with the most points would be selected and a contract would be negotiated with the Sunset Lake Local Development Corporation, said Doherty. However, some legislators expressed frustration with the last minute attempt, saying they didn't know about it. Legislator Joe Perillo called it very disturbing. Legislator Nadia Reich asked, why is this being rushed? After some deliberation, legislator Alan Sorensen called to table the resolution and it passed unanimously. We'll have more on yesterday's legislature meetings in Tuesday's Democrat. Last week, when Sullivan County Public Health Services put out notice that they had received 800 doses of the COVID-19 vaccine and could begin community vaccinations, the appointments were fully booked within two hours. As the pandemic continues, with numbers spiking around the country, people are eager to get in line to receive the first dose of the vaccine. We're busy every day, Public Health Director Nancy McGraw recently said to the Democrat. We're working on how we can best coordinate everybody and making sure the public has the information on how to register. We ask people to be patient. Patience will be the key, it seems, as the nationwide vaccine plan rolls out. Counties must wait to receive more vaccines 
from the state and federal governments. McGraw says, quote, we really have no idea of how much it will be or when we will receive it. Governor Andrew Cuomo recently announced that New York's healthcare distribution sites have administered 93% of first doses received from the federal government and 91% of first and second doses. But again, supply seems to be the problem. Cuomo said in a statement last week, the state administered 96,000 shots in the last 24 hours, and we have the operational capacity to do even more. But we need more doses from the federal government because the real problem continues to be that the demand outpaces supply. At the local level, county legislators took action last week, voting unanimously to work with municipalities, businesses, and school districts to assist with vaccinations and testing for COVID-19. In addition, they voted to create a medical reserve corps of volunteers to assist during public health emergencies. While COVID-19 has slowed down many projects, including Legoland and Goshen, the push to expand Route 17 to three lanes in Orange and Sullivan counties continues. According to a press release last week, U.S. Senator Charles Schumer met with Pete Buttigieg, President Joe Biden's nominee for Department of Transportation Secretary, to urge him to prioritize federal infrastructure funding towards the Route 17 project. In 2019, a coalition was formed called 17 Forward 86 that represents stakeholders in Sullivan County, Orange County, and others to advocate for the expansion of Route 17. It's co-chaired by Mark Baez, President and CEO of the Sullivan County Partnership for Economic Development, who has spoken about the initiative to county leaders before. Baez said, quote, this project is critically important to bring in commerce, enhance safety, and alleviate the decades-long headaches caused by congestion along the Route 17 corridor. In 2013, a study was conducted by the New York State Department of Transportation, prompted by Schumer, to examine the feasibility of expanding Route 17 to three lanes between Monticello's Exit 103, Rapp Road, and Harriman's Exit 131, New York State Thruway. The study noted that the existing congestion and delays on Route 17 would worsen over the near and long term that the volume of development along the corridor necessitates an additional lane slash added capacity. Shifting gears back to Albany, Governor Andrew Cuomo outlined the proposed fiscal year 2022 executive budget last week that will be largely dependent on the level of funding the state receives from the federal government. Cuomo says the goal of the budget is to, quote, reimagine, rebuild, and renew New York in the wake of the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic. Of the two budget options, one would include an aggressive post-COVID reconstruction plan, and the second option would raise revenue and cut expenses due to the $15 billion shortfall in federal money. According to the governor's office, if the federal government provides the state with $15 billion, the budget would advance a $306 billion infrastructure plan, enact a $1.3 billion rent relief program, institute a $15 cap on broadband for low-income families, create a $130 million pandemic recovery program to support small businesses, among other items. Newly elected Republican state senator Mike Martucci says while the pandemic did have an effect on the budget, there was already a $6 billion deficit before COVID hit. Martucci said, quote, over the last two years, the Senate Democrat majority has refused to make the hard decisions. They have made a mess and left it to me and others to clean up. He added that the federal government should assist with funding directly tied to the pandemic, but quote, beyond that, it is long past time that we get our own house in order. Tax increases are not the answer, he said. For more local reaction to the governor's proposed budget, 
check out staff writer Isabel Braverman's story in today's paper. Bethel Woods Center for the Arts may have been forced to cancel its pavilion season last year due to the COVID-19 pandemic, but there's encouraging signs that the sounds of music will return this summer. On their website, Bethel Woods has already announced a handful of concert dates for July and August, including James Taylor, Steely Dan with special guest Steve Winwood, The Black Crows, Kids Bop, and Carlos Santana with Earth, Wind & Fire. Bethel Woods Chief Executive Officer Eric Francis said, quote, we remain optimistic. We're seeing a lot of activity now in August where artists are at least talking about working and wanting to get out, which is good. Some of the news out of Albany has been very positive for us. Some of the governor's recent statements and his various state of the state addresses have been positive news that we can hopefully open in some safe way in 2021. Co-editor Matt Shortall has more regarding what plans the local attraction has in the works in today's Democrat. Additional stories in today's paper include the Upper Delaware Council's new five-year plan, information on the 43rd annual WSUL Hardathon, a story on a local organization called Soul Purpose that has donated gently used or new shoes and socks to local youth, and much more. Yesterday, after covering a naturalization ceremony at the Government Center, I had the opportunity to sit down with County Clerk Russell Reeves, who we've been checking in with throughout the pandemic, to see how the County Clerk's Office and the DMV has been affected by the pandemic, what adjustments have been made, and what new items they have on the horizon in 2021. Here is that interview. Hey Russell, thank you for joining me today. Um, I have the first question I have for you is uh, COVID and the pandemic has been difficult for uh, everyone uh, and, and affected everyone differently, but just kind of update our listeners and readers on sort of what kind of has, has happened in the clerk's office and the DMV was what adjustments had to be made and, and sort of what the whole process has been like the last year. Well, starting from the beginning, it's been a, um, it's been a challenge. I will have to admit, we, in the beginning, when it first happened, we were dealing with two to 300 people in our office at a time. And the first thing we did, we were one of the first ones in the state, we went to appointments only to cut down on people being next to each other. And it's been a struggle dealing with the public safely and um, to stop the spread of COVID. We've adapted throughout the situation. We did put initially, we had drop boxes when the public couldn't come in at all. We were able to keep our office open for emergencies. Um, there was some serious issues that people had to come in for. Returning plates, you can't remove your insurance unless you can return your plates. We stayed open from beginning until currently, so people could do that. People need their IDs to get their medicine. So we were able to stay open throughout the whole thing for emergency situations. We saw that we had to do something and we initiated an online appointment system, which has been very successful. I would advise people that if they use the online system, the easiest thing to do is go to the county clerk, Sullivan County Clerk's page, go to DMV, and right there you'll see make an appointment. And the thing to do with that is if you read when you make your appointment, check the specific appointment. We have appointments for everything you need to do, whether it's a registration renewal, whether you renew your license, a new registration, plate return, make that appointment and you'll see we work very hard to put the information, most of the information on that appointment. So when you make the appointment, you'll know what you have to bring. Um, that's been working very well. 
We are following all our protocols. We have a limited amount at all times in our lobby, so we don't have too many people. We also have sanitizer, we have plexiglass, and we recently had did have an, a person that did test positive. We did have to quarantine for two weeks. We are not alone in this. Counties throughout the state have had the same thing happen uh, more than once. And what we did was when we quarantined, that was not from dealing with the public, that was somebody, uh, one of our staff tested positive from, um, from home. And what we did is we quarantined and what is, I would say what is um, positive in this is that person that tested positive with the protocols that we have in place, nobody else got sick from that one individual. So we were able to keep that to that one individual, which is very good. Uh, we came out of that and we are now moving forward. We have compartmentized our office as much as possible. So again, we keep changing with the times. So we now have different compartments. So when somebody should become sick in one of those compartments, we can keep the rest of the office open, hopefully, if it doesn't get cross-contaminated. And that we just um, that just happened. One of our cells got contaminated. We were able to contain it in that cell. That cell was quarantined and the office was able to remain open and do business as usual. So that was very successful. Right, and I guess, like I said, you kind of just gave us the full synopsis of things, but where does the office, both the clerk's office and DMV currently stand? What services are currently available to the public that's usually offered? All services are currently available by appointment. So we, uh, we're a statutory office, meaning that we have to remain open on the um, civil side. So we, all services are currently available by appointment. So in DMV, it's, um, it's Sullivan County residents only in the DMV, and you can get any service that you need there currently. The, um, it is done by appointment. And the main unit, the main office, same way. You can make an appointment and you can conduct whatever you need to get done. Well, and my, uh, my last question is obviously it's a new year. Uh, and I know it doesn't necessarily feel that way with the pandemic and, yeah. and what things are like, but uh, for you guys here at the DMV and the county clerk's office, uh, what are some goals for 2021 and maybe anything new on the horizon? Right now, we have been introducing technology continuously, and we are going to continue in that direction. That we had the um, technology in place when the pandemic hit was a tremendous asset. That would be e-filing, and we also were able to bring in um, email into the office. We're able to help. So I would say moving forward, we're going to be looking to even more technology. We keep bringing in more. We're also looking forward to more equipment. The legislator approved us getting another workstation and also more testing stations so we can get more permits done. And looking towards the future, we have more staff coming on, and I'm looking to launch the mobile unit and um, get as many people that I can to use that mobile unit. Great, and um, obviously you've been really stressing making an appointment um, and doing that, but aside from that one very useful piece of advice there, uh, do you have any other quick tips for people about if they need something done at the clerk's office or the DMV that they should kind of their little checklist of what they need to do before they show up here? Probably the uh, easiest thing for all parties concerned was would be to read as much as you can. So when you're making that appointment, if you take the time and just read what you are supposed to bring, and if you read the documents that you fill out, um, that is helpful. So that is one of the key things is, is to read the documents and go over what you need when you come. 
when you come to the DMV, if there is something missing, um, and you can do it in the same day, we will give you a pass. You can go get the documents you need and continue your transaction. But that would be the, I would say, get your documents together and uh, carefully read what you need. And that is very helpful. All right. Well, thank you for spending a few minutes with us and best of luck going forward with the clerk's office in the DMV. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. And I appreciate it very much. And Happy New Year. That concludes this week's News Roundup. Remember, you can find us on newsstands across the region and at scdemocratonline.com. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So please give us a follow. Are you interested in subscribing? If so, call 845-887-5200 Monday through Friday between 8 a.m. and 5 p.m. If you've been following the weather or stepped outside in the past 24 hours, you know that some cold Arctic air is upon us. It's the perfect time to sit down with a cup of coffee in the Sullivan County Democrat newspaper. But even if that's not in your plans, we still hope you have a terrific weekend and hope to catch you back here next Friday for another news roundup.